Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JC with Podcast, part of the Off the Ball Network. This is episode 229, dedicated to a team who on November 29th, 1894, won the third Iron Bowl by the score of 18 to 0. The Alabama Crimson Tide. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we'll talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines beating the Ohio State Buckeyes over the weekend. And Dick Vitale is back. But first, be on the lookout and subscribe to the Jay Stevens Podcast YouTube page because there will be weekly, yes, weekly live shows coming your way. Every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they'll be streamed only on YouTube. So head to the Jay Stevens Podcast YouTube page, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell so you're notified every time the show goes live. Over the weekend, I'm ready and excited for NFL football. Tom Brady comes to Indianapolis to play the Colts, and Tom Brady won again. Of course, the man that ruined my childhood and messed up a lot of the times when I was expecting the Colts to win and the Colts to go to the Super Bowl. He goes there with a different team and still finds ways to beat the Colts. That's just how things go. But we were all about the NFL football over the weekend. I know a lot of people into the evening were watching the Browns and the Ravens. If you're a Browns fan, I'm sorry. It might be time to part ways with Baker Mayfield. Not just that he's, I think he's a starting quarterback in this league but you ain't going to get very far with him as your starting quarterback in this league if you know what I mean. And so that was all about the Saturday after, excuse me, Sunday afternoon. We're all about the NFL football. And then all of a sudden, there's an announcement. And there aren't many announcements on a football Sunday that will take you away from the football that is being played on a Sunday. But when it's one that regards a college football coach as polarizing and that is as good of an offensive mind as Lincoln Riley, you will stop, pause, stare at your phone, maybe text your buddy, text your friend, hop in that group chat because you're realizing this is huge. On Saturday evening, backtracking a little bit, on Saturday evening, there were rumors going around that Lincoln Riley had given a verbal agreement to LSU that he would leave Oklahoma to be the next LSU head coach. On Sunday, that was quickly refuted, and people were saying, no, that's not likely. There's somewhere else that he's possibly going to go, and it came out to being USC. That's correct. Lincoln Riley is leaving one Blue Blood program for another. Let that sink in for you. In my estimation, we've done this on the podcast previously, there are four, maybe five Blue Blood programs in college football. Oklahoma, USC, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State. You can put them in whatever order you want to. Those are the consistent blue bloods, and those do not change. There are consistent, There's a consistency in winning numerous, a lot of national championships, a lot of head coaches that have had a lot of success there. There's a lot that goes into being a blue blood program. But Lincoln Riley was already at one. Why in the world would he want to leave Oklahoma where he has it really, really good, he could be there for the next 20 years, and go to USC, one big reason was that he was not very fond of Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. Now, that was not a decision that he definitely, his opinion was one that swayed the decision to go to the SEC, but 
he was not very fond of that. And think about it. If he wants to be somewhere for the long haul and be a head coach at the collegiate level for a very long time, wouldn't it be wise for him to be in a place where he is fond of the direction the program is going? He is fond of the way that things are going in the administration? Of course it would. And with him not being very fond of Oklahoma going to the SEC, because you know that's going to ramp up not only competition on a Saturday, also going to comp, uh, ramp up competition on the recruiting trail. It's going to be a little bit different than playing Big 12 opponents every single week. He is fond of the administration and the way things are going at USC right now. Mike Bone, new athletic director at USC, recently fired Clay Helton, which seems like a long time ago, which it was back in September, I believe, after the week two loss that they had. Don't ask me who they lost to. They have quite a few losses this year. I remember after one of the losses early in the year, Clay Helton got fired. So Clay Helton is out, Mike Bone, and many people thought Mike Bone might go out and get Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Then everyone's realizing Luke Fickle probably ain't going from Cincinnati, leaving the Midwest, to go all the way out to Southern California. Lincoln Riley has always had the appeal and always been drawn to Southern California. Hey, I would too. Many people out there are saying, what about them taxes? Look at his bank account. Look at the money that he's going to make. Many people making that kind of money. The taxes and paying those taxes out there in California, that's the least of their worries. USC, you got your man in Lincoln Riley. I saw when he got off the plane. There were a couple of his assistants that were there with him as well. USC, Lincoln Riley, this is an amazing move. And there aren't many things on a football Sunday that will get people to stop watching the football to think about something other than the football. But Lincoln Riley leaving one blue blood for another will do just that. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan, because what we witnessed over the weekend, man, 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 those Harbaugh's, those fighting Jim Harbaugh's definitely laid it all on the field and poof, they bullied the Buckeyes. Wow, wow, wow. That seems to be the only thing that I was saying in the moment, even after the fact, while watching the Ohio State Buckeyes get beat down, get bullied. It seemed like the Michigan Wolverines were Debo on the field because let me just tell y'all, those Wolverines came to play over the weekend and Jim Harbaugh did something that I did not expect him to do this season. Not saying he would not do it. I just didn't expect it to happen this season. The Wolverines beat the Buckeyes 42-27, a 15-point win. And Jim Harbaugh did something that, well, I'm going to just be honest with you, going to go back in time a little bit and talk about how I didn't expect this to happen this year. And I predicted that this wouldn't happen before the season. <laughs> and your boy was wrong. Big 10 media days. I was there in Indianapolis both days. And I got to hear Jim Harbaugh talk about Michigan, the football team, even field a question from Bill Robinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch about Michigan not beating Ohio State and not winning the Big Ten Championship. And in that moment, in that response, I thought, well, Jim Harbaugh, we can tell how uncomfortable you are talking about and thinking about you not leading a team you have been coaching over the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's been your rival for a very long time. And I can see how uncomfortable you are talking about that, thinking about that, and answering questions about it. So I get, like, this means something to you. 
But in that moment, I thought, Jim Harbaugh, you seem a little off, but off, bro. A little discombobulated, a little not all the way there in the head. And so these are things that I'm thinking about in the moment. And then all of a sudden, while Harbaugh is talking about the plan for Michigan and what they're going to do, the energy they're going to put into winning the Big Ten championship and beating Ohio State, he says, quote, we're going to do it or die trying, end quote. It took me a couple seconds in that moment to really realize what I just heard and what he just said while I was there inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Of course, I'd never been. That was the first press conference I'd ever been inside of. And so I was taking notes and putting stuff on the Twitter and tweeting things out and taking notes at different places and really just soaking it all in and realizing the season's about to start. This is a great way to kick off the season. And then next thing I know, I get on Twitter after, Really, right before I hit hit send on that tweet to share the tweet out, I see, oh, somebody else has it. Somebody else has it. Oh, this publication already has a graphic. I'm like, wait, I got to be a little bit quicker. This is my first time in this type of environment. The speed is everything in these moments. So Jim Harbaugh said that. And I remember thinking about this football team, this Ohio State football team. And I said, there ain't no way they're beating Ohio State this year. Ain't no way. The team is young. Yes. But the team has a lot of talent. And as the season progressed, I'm thinking, <laughs> Ohio State has this one in the bag. Just being honest with you. These are thoughts going through my head. Ohio State has this game in the bag, hands down. It's going to happen easily. No questions asked. Ohio State has this. And I also remember making statements about how Jim Harbaugh, this could be his last year in Ann Arbor as the football coach. And why do you think I made those type of statements? Well, they restructured his contract. There's a $4 million buyout. I see what goes down, what goes on down south and all the money they're throwing to simply get guys up out of town. And I said, well, Michigan wants to be a program that's at the top. They want to win a national championship. They have not won one since 1997. Even that national championship was a shared national championship. So they have not had a national championship that has been theirs, only theirs, for a very, very, very long time and that was only a shared national championship because of the way that they decided a national champion back at that time was via the poll system if there was one national champion was picked from the coaches poll and if it was different a different team was number one in the ap poll then the number one of the coaches poll and number one of the ap poll those would be national champions when the polls decide things that and they're not decided on the field huh, guys we have a mess on our hands I'm not getting into the current committee situation. I could talk about that for a very long time. But I didn't think that. I said, oh, Jim Harbaugh, $4 million buyout. Oh, please. This is in the bag. Ryan Day wins this one. Maybe this is me just being a little cocky. I just have watched this Ohio State team play. And even in their deficiencies, I did not think that this was going to happen. What we witnessed over the weekend was going to be the outcome. Your boy was wrong. The game started, had a little snow out there. Game day was there. Big noon kickoff was there. Big noon Saturday, whatever that pregame show was called. I'm always on ESPN College game day. That's right in from 9 to 12. I'll flip over to the Fox when game day goes off because, well, I want to go to Fox to watch the game. I'm not really here to listen to what Bob Stoots, Brady Quinn, Matt Leinart have to say about the football in that setting. I'm not saying that that setting is bad or they're bad at what they do. It's just I prefer the college game day and what they have to say and that TV show that they've been putting on for 25 plus years over what Fox's pregame show provides. That's about it. I do think Matt Leinart 
and all the guys there at Fox, Brady Quinn, they do a phenomenal job breaking down the football and getting you ready for a big day of college football. They did just that. They did just that. And then my heart got crushed. Just being honest with you. I'm watching this game, taking notes on my, on, my, uh, on my notebook and looking at stats on my computer, trying to make sure I have everything proper for the post-game show that Locked on Buckeyes does. I hosted him, a guy, Jeff Hunt, from the Off the Ball Network with me, and we were both kind of shocked, kind of stunned at what we watched. We were professional on the show. Nothing crazy happened. I didn't call for anybody to get fired. Nothing like that. Probably could have been a whole lot harsher than I was, just being completely honest with you. Because, you know, down south, they don't hold anything back. They say whatever they want, and that's kind of the guy that I want to be. And so in this moment, give me the time to say, Ohio State got deboed, bruh. <laughs> Ohio State got deboed. Ain't no other way to put it. Y- y'all seen Friday. I know, I know the, the actor that played Debo in the movie it passed away, but y'all seen Friday. Y'all know what kind of character, y'all know what kind of role Debo had in that movie and how people got a little nervous when they saw Debo. That seems like how it was with Aiden Hutchinson lined up across from Thayer Munford, the left tackle at Ohio State in this moment. And Thayer Munford's like, wait, I got to go up against this guy one-on-one. First, coaching mistake by the Ohio State Buckeyes, one of many in this game. But also, number two, Thayer Munford realized, ain't no way I can stop this big man from coming at me. He's wearing 97. Yeah, 97 was a Bosa, but we ain't got no Bosa on this team. Is this a third brother that's a stepbrother that has a different last name that's not a part of the Bosa brothers that are from South Florida? It's possible because in this moment in this game, he was dominating like Nick and Joy used to do at Ohio State. Aiden Hutchinson is a man. He was a man on that field, and I think it was in the third quarter because there was a change on the offensive line to move Thermoford to where he should have played at all season long at left tackle. And the next thing we saw, Thermoford gets back in pass pro, does more of a catching move instead of, hey, I'm going to be a little, bit more, a little bit more aggressive when trying to protect my quarterback in Aiden Hutchinson. That's probably the sound that you heard on the telecast, on the broadcast, when he ran right through Thayer Mumford, who's supposed to be a future NFL tackle, left tackle. I mean, he's going to get drafted. I don't think he's going to start next year in the NFL. Not just because of this game here, but because of the way that he has played all season long. Don't think it's going to happen. Michigan ran through Ohio State. I mean, I, there's no other words I can describe to put into a description to describe what we just witnessed. They ran right through them. I think calling Mishka Debo in this in the sense just popped into my head, but it's perfect. It's perfect to describe the way Michigan played. You know what else is also good and able to describe the way the Michigan played? That offensive line just destroying Ohio State's defensive line and not allowing the two interior guys, whichever grouping or pairing they utilized at that time, which Nothing worked at all. They were just going right through them, getting to the second level, getting to the linebackers. Hassan Haskins, a five, one, two, three, four, a five touchdown day. Oh, he tried to be a Kenneth Walker the third. We all remember when Kenneth Walker the third and the Michigan State Spartans played Michigan earlier in the season. Kenneth Walker the third. This was talked to be his Heisman moment. He had five touchdowns in this game. This game will be remembered as the Hassan Haskins game because in the moment, he was big. After the moment, it seems even bigger because he is the reason, one of the reasons that Michigan won. And now we look at Jim Harbaugh, possibly not a different coach, but in a different way. He is the same coach, 
But anytime you get that monkey off your back or you get over an obstacle that you haven't been able to get over at all in your coaching tenure at this particular school at this time, we will look at you a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying Harbaugh's going to win the national championship, even though it's possible. I say Michigan. I say Harbaugh, Michigan. I'm not saying it's going to happen. They're going to. It's definitely possible. There is a big, big possibility that Jim Harbaugh is going to win and the Michigan Wolverines can win the national championship this year. You're saying, Jay, do you think they have what it takes to overtake Georgia? It's possible. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a Georgia-Michigan national championship at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana, literally about 20 minutes from where I live right now, where I'm recording this podcast, to be exact. So it's definitely possible for that to happen. I might even be there to witness something that has not happened since 1997 or 1980, depending on if one of those two teams wins a national championship. Georgia hasn't won since 1980. Michigan hasn't won since 1997. I don't believe Cincinnati has ever won one. Oklahoma State, probably since the 60s. It's been a very, very long time. I'm trying to think. Notre Dame, 88. I mean, this there's been some long droughts of teams that can possibly win the national championship this year based off of the play this year and how things have gone so far this season. Yeah, Alabama's going to play Georgia. Can they beat Georgia? They can. If they're on the field, they can win. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm being I, I think Georgia's a better football team. Can Michigan is Michigan going to beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship? Probably. Is Iowa a fraud? Pro, yeah. I mean, they Iowa's Iowa. Probably going to get their ten and two, nine and three football team. Maybe eight and four every single year. That's probably that's one that where they're going to be every year. When they get to a bowl game, Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa Hawkeye fans and players, they're happy. They're absolutely happy. But Jim Harbaugh, let's go back to where we were previously before we get derailed and go way off topic. Harbaugh did it. He prepared his players. Coaches had the right game plan. Ohio State had no answer. That might be the most baffling thing about this day. Ohio State had absolutely no answer. Another one, Ohio State has 64 total rushing yards in the entire game. You think about everything we have heard about this Ohio State offense. Yeah, the receivers, the quarterback, they get a lot of attention. The running game has been one where you have an 1,100-yard rusher. A lot of those yards come off of big games. When it comes to getting the 4-6 to six or 4-8-yard to eight yard runs, I mean, they can get them. But against better competition, more strong defensive lines, and good linebacker play, the Ohio State offensive line struggled. And they struggled over the weekend. Jump hardball, got over that hump. It's weird to say it. Definitely is. The only thing I can say that I hope I don't have to say again is that Jim Harbaugh did it because I don't want to say that Jim Harbaugh did it and Ohio State lost to Michigan two years in a row. No, 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 no. Don't want to say it. Hope I don't say it. Next year, better be a different story. One quick reminder before we wrap up this show. Go to YouTube and search and subscribe to the Jay Stevens Podcast YouTube page. Go ahead and hit that bell. 
so you're notified every time we go live with a new video. We will be doing live shows every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will just go through the normal show, but it'll be live for your enjoyment. If you want to jump in the live chat, that's available as well. We'll have a fun time talking sports together every Sunday evening on YouTube. We're still doing the podcast audio version as well. Just trying to enhance the ways you can enjoy the Jay Stevens podcast every single week. As I think about the different broadcasters that stick to one sport, and when I think about that broadcaster, I think about one sport. Dick Vitale is going to be the first one I think about when it comes to college basketball. Some of you might say Billy Packer. That was a while ago. Billy Packer has been around for college basketball for years. However, I never really knew about Billy. I knew who Billy Packer was. I heard his voice. To me, his voice and who he was as a basketball person didn't really stick out to me in the ways that Dick Vitale does or did. When it goes to the NFL, some might say Al Michaels. You might say John Madden. Those are names that you might stick with a sport. However, Al Michaels can be traced back to Olympics or to hockey or to basketball in other sports as well. You might say Brent Musburger. Brent Musburger, for some, it's college football. For some, it might be NFL Today on CBS. And so it's different things out there. Keith Jackson, I go with Keith Jackson in college football, but that was not the only thing Keith Jackson called in his lifetime. Mike Breen, NBA. Some might say Mike Breen, New York Knicks. Some might say Ian Eagle, Brooklyn Nets. Some might say Ian Eagle, CBS. Some might say Ian Eagle, TNT. You see what I'm saying? There's different broadcasters out there, and you associate them possibly with one sport, but you might associate some with multiple things. Dick Vitale, college basketball, it's always been a national variety. Yes, he has coached before. We don't remember him for none of his coaching things. None at all. It's all about commentating the college basketball. Fifth grade, Mr. Hardwick. Won a contest, my fifth grade teacher. I remember this to this day. I did not get to be at said contest, but he talked about the contest that he won for doing the best Dick Vitale impersonation. I want to say it was probably when the Final Four was in Indianapolis. That was during my fifth grade year as well. And I want to say he went downtown Indianapolis, did it, did the competition and won the best Dick Vitale impersonation. It was amazing. We have always, I say we as a collective sports fan, have always associated Dick Vitale with college basketball. It's awesome, baby, with a capital A. He's a PTP or primetime performer. My my voice is nowhere near as good as his or anybody else's. I also have a little cold, head cold, and so if I see it sound a little weird, to me, I, I've been sounding weird all day. I wanted to put this out there for you to enjoy your sports fix on a Monday, maybe Tuesday, as you're enjoying this podcast. Dick Vitale is battling cancer. A lot of people lately have been sick. I've had a lot of people in my family pass away. A lot of people that my parents have known, they, they've been passing away. My dad's church has lost, goodness gracious, maybe five, six, seven, maybe eight members over the past six months. Some due to COVID, some just due to health complications. Things are going crazy right now. So anytime you hear about somebody sick in the hospital, cancer, COVID, whatever, it's not fun to think about. But then when there's a guy like Dick Vitale and you associate him with one sport, one thing I wish and I hoped we, that would happen with Dick Vitale, similar to Stuart Scott, 
I was hoping Dick Vitale would be able to call at least one more game. I didn't know how bad things were. I know he was in a hospital bed and he was going through some things. I didn't know if it was deathbed type of bed. I, I had no idea. All I knew was he was in the hospital and he was not able to call games he had previously been scheduled to call. Stuart Scott, my only wish, and this was a long shot, a major long shot, my only wish was Stuart Scott was able to, after that SP speech, he was able to go to cover and do his thing at the NBA Finals, handing out the trophy and doing the post-game trophy uh, celebration ceremony, that, that part. I, I wanted that for Stuart Scott. Didn't get it. John Saunders, John Saunders is a studio guy, and so him doing, doing one more broadcast out of the amazing, but these are things... Maybe I'm the only one that wishes this. Maybe this is just my wish for these individuals when they're really, really sick. I had no idea when Dick Vitale was going to go back and call another college basketball game. Had no idea at all. But one thing we witnessed, one thing we saw about a week ago on a Tuesday when he got back there with Dave O'Brien calling, I believe it was a Gonzaga game that night, we saw Dick Vitale get emotional. He's always emotional. He's always sharing his emotions on his sleeve and letting the world see how much he loves college basketball. But when Dave O'Brien handed it over to Dick Vitale, and in that moment, Dick Vitale got emotional. Start, I, you could see tears forming in his eyes. You could see his voice. You could hear his voice getting a little shaky. Dick Vitale, in that moment, he realized, I didn't think I was going to be here. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And for him to be there, it's a miracle, man. And I ain't going to lie to you. I cried when Kobe Bryant died. I surely did. And then when Dick Vitale in that, no, I did not watch that live. I saw a clip on Twitter. When Dick Vitale in that moment got a little emotional, started talking about what it meant for him to simply be there in that moment at that game, calling that game, being there on the sideline, just that just that sideline seat, being there to do what he loves. Let me tell you, I almost start crying then. Because Dick Vitale, he means a lot to college basketball. It means a lot to ESPN. And for him to be back on the sidelines, for him to be back where he wants to be, means a lot to him, to college basketball, to ESPN, to sports fans everywhere. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. If you could, please head to Apple Podcast, leave a five-star review and a rating. It's greatly appreciated. You can also follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. This has been episode 229 of the Jay Stevens Podcast. I will see you all next time.